0: Welcome back to the Savage Land. I'm Jason. I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. And today we have another creator interview. Uh, we are blessed to be joined by the talented, insanely uh, popular and just just for sheer force of an artist uh, that is Sanford Green. You know his name from Power Man and Iron Fist, along with many other comic books over the last few years. Uh, Sanford, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Uh, welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Um powerful force huh powerful
0: force i i always like i never write anything out for an intro and so i'll just like try and come up with something fun off the top of the off off the top of my head but i mean i do mean it though like when i when i first saw your art especially in power man and iron fist like it it's so like different and exciting and like energetic and i don't know something about it like it, it it really did just uh stand out among you know a lot of these sort of house style comic books uh and I, I'm curious about that actually how how did your style sort of come about because it is a very sort of unique and uh expressionistic take on things um well I've I've been a fan of
1: animation since I was a child and uh I think that's the beginning stages the, the Hannibal Barrett cartoons uh the uh See what's the name of the other uh, studio? Gosh, I forgot the name of uh, a lot of the Warner Brothers stuff, the early stuff. Mm. Um, but mainly that Hanna Barbera style, because that was the most prominent at uh, at that time. Um, as a child, I was fascinated by that, and um, shortly after that, I discovered comic books. Uh, you guys might be a tad bit too young to remember the spinner Racks, <laughs> those were in the local uh, dime stores, drugstores, yeah. and um, it was it was like, man, it was incredible <clears throat> to step into one of those stores and to see artwork right at your fingertips that looked similar to the stuff that I saw on TV, mm. and that was that was a very um, I came upon like uh, this epiphany that, wow, the stuff that I see on TV is right here at my fingertips. I want to know more about this stuff, the, these comics. So uh, I would <clears throat> beg my mother to pick up, uh, the three in a pack, uh, comics that came, uh, in the poly bag, the poly bags back then. That was pretty fascinating to me. So, um, I started drawing from those comics and, uh, I would look at what was on television and then I would look into comics and I would try to just merge the two worlds, uh, in my mind. I just saw how similar they were and I wanted to try to make it all in a weird kind of way. I was trying to create animation on paper. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm looking at the super friends and I'm looking at the Justice League comic, and I'm thinking this is the same thing, even though it was pretty different. But at the same time, Superman had the S, Wonder Woman had the, the Tiara, uh, Batman, you know, he, he they look similar. So I kind of cross-pollinated the two, and it, it just became natural. I didn't get... My influence from one or the other—I got it from both cartoons and comics. Hmm. So I think ever since then, I just kind of had that natural um, combination of the two, uh, and just kind of grew from that standpoint.
0: That's interesting. That's uh, how and so how old did you say you were when you first started reading comics?
1: Um, probably around seven, okay. seven or eight.
0: And were you so you were already like kind of like drawing and fascinated by that stuff at that point
1: oh absolutely i um was totally uh just I think the thing was I was drawing from what I saw on television, yeah, and then I saw these comics, and I'm like, wait a minute there there are people there are other people out there doing this, this very thing that I didn't real- didn't realize was. In existence until I saw those comics. That wow, these there are other people. Then it dawned on me that wait a minute, these people more than likely are doing this as a job or something. <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't really put it all together as a as a kid, you know, as as clearly. But I, I, I had some sense that 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 comic book, um, those comic book illustrations were. Uh, something that was done on a regular basis and I just I just sort of just fell right into the mode of just kind of following these stories or these comics later on following the creators uh, I got a, an understanding of wait a minute I have seen this name the same name or the same group of names in the Spider-Man title yeah. that means they are doing this often <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as a child, that fascinated me.
0: Yeah.
1: So, you know, I just, I, I really was in a weird kind of way trying to create my, in the same sense that I got from what I saw in the books. I, I started to draw consistently when I, when I saw, when I got a new title, a new comic, I would draw from that comic mm-hmm. and um, get these comics often. I will watch these cartoons often. So pretty much whenever I'm watching one or the other, I'm drawing. So, um, started, started out pretty early.
2: That's cool. What was, uh, what was your, uh, so you, you start out, you're doing all these little drawings and stuff. What was your, your sort of big inspirations? What were, what were you pulling as a kid as that was like really, you know, kind of feeding that creativity?
1: Um, in terms of inspirations, uh, wow. It it came from a lot of things, but, Again, the cartoons was was the first thing that I saw. Um, I didn't realize how much Jack Kirby influenced me back then, even though I I didn't know who he was, never saw the name, but I saw all of his cartoons, or at least I saw a lot of his cartoons, between him and Alex Toth.
2: Mm. um,
1: Those two, um, again, not really knowing their names or, or, or really understanding that there were creators behind these characters, but Art uh, a barbarian, huge influence uh, on me. Did that was Jack Kirby. Yep. Um, of it's, course,
0: it's funny. Like during uh, that phase of Jack Kirby's career, when it's like you know he he did a lot of this sort of like animation stuff and things that weren't related to what he's most known for, and uh, a lot of people, yeah, like you say, they they don't even know that that was uh, that was Kirby.
1: Oh, absolutely. So, you know, between him and like I said, Alex Toth. Uh, Alex, uh, he—you name it—he did everything from Space Ghost to Super Friends to oh gosh—he uh, did some stuff on Laugh Olympics. Even uh, I don't know if you guys remember that. I mean, tons of tons of uh, incredible uh, design work from that that man, and um, you know, I, I, I ate it all up you know, as a kid. <laughs>
0: And so, so you talk about not knowing those guys, you know, like in their names as they're, you know, influencing you so heavily. Uh, Was there, do you remember there being like that first person whose name that you knew and, you you know, that you kind of like looked up to or looked to for inspiration when you were young?
1: You know, it's funny enough. um, The name that I first recognized artist-wise wasn't even from comics or animation. Oh. It was from uh, just, um, it's from illustration. And that's uh, Norman Rockwell. Mm. Yeah, he he. I got a book from uh, the library uh, as a child, and saw the cover, and it basically was the you mm-hmm. know the really popular one with the little kid sitting at uh, the soda shop at the um at the um on the stool at yeah. the actual bar, and the cop is. You know, looking over at him, and the kid is looking up, and um, I just thought that was the expressions on that on the faces. It, it said a million things. It yeah. was so expressive and so so lively, but yet it had this realism behind it that really just floored me. Uh, now I was a little older, but um, maybe about ten or eleven, but I bought that book home and and I ate it up. Uh, it reminded me of all those other things, but it had that other aspect of it, that realism in there that I just couldn't wrap my mind around. It was like, wow, how can this guy draw so animated, but yet it looks like someone I would know? <laughs> it looks, <laughs> you know, it looks like some 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 kid or some guy down the street that I see on an average day. Yeah basis and uh, I mean of course that's what he's known for mm-hmm. but uh, he was the first artist that I really recognized name wise
0: That's interesting it's not not many uh comic book artists end up saying that Norman Rockwell was uh like their first uh, inspiration that's funny Um yeah. yeah And uh so so let's let's take it back a bit uh where did you grow up
1: Uh I I grew up in the metropolis of this town called Grillyville. Now, I'm, being, I'm being, I'm being
0: facetious. <laughs> I figured. I was like, I, I don't know. I haven't heard of any uh, sprawling yeah. city yeah. named Grillingville
1: Yeah, this it's sprawling, all right. It's more like crawling. It's not sprawling. <laughs> but um, yeah, I grew up in a small town in South Carolina, very rural area. Um, it's close to Charleston, so technically, you know, I say Charleston for a lot of folks um, mm-hmm. who may not be familiar with. Uh, these small town areas in South Carolina, but uh, that's where I grew up. At uh, been there, uh, well, grew up there, and went off to college um, in Columbia, South Carolina, and um, I've been here honestly ever since.
0: Wow! So you you uh, you must. I mean, do you really like it out there, or is it? Or are you just stuck and you just can't get
2: out?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, times where you know i wonder i often wonder i think with the social political climate that we're in right now <laughs> yeah um i think it it can be you know a little testy but overall I, I i've been fond of this area of you know since i was a child my kids mm. you know they they're in they're in a good place here uh my family we're we're in a good place i think overall um and when i need to get away i i, I usually get away. I can come out there to you guys. I often come out there for, you know, visits for uh business and, um, you know, New York and, uh, you know, London, yeah. I can I travel a good bit. So, you know, uh, it's always good to when you in those hectic, hectic, um, cities. Um, it's always good to kind of come back to a place where it's a little, Less
0: than that. <laughs> a little quieter, a little more calm.
1: Yeah, just something that you can decompress a lot easier.
0: Yeah, yeah. Environment. And so, and I'm curious about that too. Uh, you know, with being, you know, a comics professional, uh, that involves, you know, kind of a lot of traveling when you're going to, you know, conventions or, you know, whether retreats or, or whatever. Uh, do you enjoy that level of travel or do you kind of or is it something that you kind of fight what's your sort of feeling on it
1: well uh, overall i i enjoy it there's there's times where it's kind of like man it's the necessary evil um there's one trip coming up not gonna say what it is but <laughs> it's out there near you um and it's coming up in july not gonna say names cool. but that's that's a necessary evil <laughs> <laughs> I wonder
0: which one that could possibly be
1: which one could that possibly be so um, you know that that and you know sometimes it can it can be a bit of a, a strain uh, especially if you're under a you know schedule uh, tight schedule with uh, work and um, you're trying to balance out travel versus your work and family on top of all of that that can uh, be challenging as well so yeah but overall i i, I enjoy it
0: so uh and i i, I you know i kind of keep like jump I'm, I'm almost doing like a christopher nolan narrative here where i'm going backwards to like your very beginning and then forward to the present time so just if you think of it like i'm christopher nolan then it sounds a lot better than uh the Those fact that
1: easy. that's a pretty ambitious thing to do So,
0: <laughs> just just pretend it's true and that way yeah, nobody yeah. thinks i'm a bad interviewer yeah
2: good luck good luck there, bud. <laughs>
0: uh but I'm curious, so you know you're you're growing up you're drawing from you know like you said from a really young age uh did you you know going up and and kind of you know approaching sort of the the high school slash puberty years uh did you kind of develop into a nerd or did you have like that phase you know while growing up that a lot of people have where they kind of try and you know shove the comic books under the bed and and hide all that stuff?
1: I'll tell you what. <laughs> As much as I tried to shove it under the bed,
0: mm-hmm. the
1: inner nerd, my inner nerd, just kept forcing its way out. <laughs> it, 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 I wa- I was. I think I was maybe fourteen, fifteen, somewhere around that time, and I started to play basketball in high school for mm-hmm. the team. So, you you can already kind of picture. You can see where I'm going here. <laughs> you can. <see. laughs> the outcomes of uh, the situation. So, you know, I'm playing on the team. And of course, at that time, um, or really just any time, if you're playing sports, even guys, girls, it doesn't matter. It, it's really about that sport. That's yeah. what the people that are on the team, that's what they're into. That's what they talk about. <laughs> um, the way we dress, the way, it, you know, just yeah. the whole You know, so it was it was a a little challenging at times because instead of watching, you know, last night's game and coming to school the next day to talk about Michael Jordan scoring 52 points. Did you see that game? You know, I didn't Mm -hmm. see that game. I I saw, you know, I I was watching, you know, some bootleg VHS tapes of you know, Thundercats or something. You know, I I was just kind (laughs) of, you know, I was into it, but I just, I also had those other interests or I was just at home drawing. Yeah. um, Trying to create my own comic books and um, stuff that I never showed those, those guys. And um, because of the fear of, you know, being teased or mocked or whatever. Yeah, of course. (laughs) But, I think what happened one day, my teacher, one of my teachers, she, her name was Deborah Burrows. She she saw me drawing when I should have been working on some reading um, English assignment. <laughs> she saw me, she saw me in the corner working and, and doodling, and she saw all these drawings over my paper. Uh-huh. And she she knew I liked to draw, but um, she realized, man. I guess it was just kind of a, a divine intervention or something because you <laughs> could have easily kicked me out of the class, sent me to the principal's office or whatever, but uh, she saw what I was doing and she was like, okay, you obviously love doing this. Mm-hmm. And um, she, you know, thank goodness for that because she basically gave me some responsibility. I, I, I started to uh, develop a comic strip for our school newspaper, because of her, wow. um, that's honestly when my my fear, kind of my fear of what people might might have thought about my, you know my nerdy interest or whatever, mm-hmm. it, it kind of dissipated because that was uh, a way to, that's that was a way for the masses to digest what I was doing,
0: yeah, and make it um, almost like legitimate or like less. Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, it's yeah. a comic strip, everybody knew about that or reads that, but not everyone really would read a comic, um, a comic book. So um, that honestly kind of gained me some popularity. Um, Mm -hmm. A few girls thought, you know, thought that was cool. (laughs) That that was, you know, I tell my son, say, man, you know, you don't have to be the football star, the basketball star. You go find something that not a lot of people are good at. There and you make that your niche, right? <laughs> and, hey, you know, you never know.
0: that. I mean, I'm sure that that, like, more than anything, that I'm sure just just kind of ignited your desire to keep doing that as soon as the girls started noticing it.
1: Oh, absolutely, man. <laughs> I mean, money was not the motivation because I didn't make any at the time, no, right? Of course, yeah. So, what's the next best thing is, you know, girls. So <laughs> there you go.
0: Absolutely. No, I, I totally get you. Uh, and so was that the point that you uh kind of looked at uh, drawing as your career path, or when when did it come into your mind that like okay, this is what I want to do like as as my job?
1: Well, I think it honestly was there before any of that. I just didn't really fully understand it. I knew I wanted to draw for a career. Mm-hmm. I just I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to do comics or animation or architecture or whatever, painting <laughs> I, I was into. I just love drawing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. once I started to understand that, you know, and this is more so when I was in early part of high school, I realized, again, doing the comic strip stuff for the school paper, I saw just the the dots beginning to connect those dots and realizing, okay, this might be, a viable place for me uh to start doing um some things that would put me in that career path.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: No, that's cool. And and so when you went off to college, uh did you have like a a major or an end goal in mind uh in terms of like were you going, okay, I'm gonna go into animation or or gonna go into comics or what were what was your you know major or driving force when you went to college?
1: To be successful. I think that's the only way I could put it. I wanted to do, I wanted to do the comic book thing, but I just wanted to be successful Mm. um, at, at doing art. Yeah. So, and it's interesting because I'm still that way. I'm not a lot of people. They know me for being a comic illustrator, but I do a lot of other stuff, you know, with my art. I do um, a lot of concept work for animation Mm. I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead. No, no,
0: I, I love it. Yeah, go go for it. Wherever you want to go, take it.
1: Yeah, and uh, so I mean, I've, I I guess I've always been wired that way, to where I'm interested in the whole gambit of you know possibilities when it comes to my art and, and illustration. I want to paint at some point, mm. but um, <clears throat> that's I guess that is more of when i'm a little older and maybe retired or something like that i guess i can <laughs> be on the beach somewhere with you know a margarita and <laughs> easels and some oils or watercolors or something like that yeah it's yeah man
0: it sounds like that's uh what mike mignola has been doing lately uh oh absolutely i'm like i'm like that's that's a, a good life to be able to just like create comics for you know whatever 20 25 years that he did and then just kind of step away from it and start painting that's that sounds pretty fun
1: you know and I guess we can go this down this path do I it. think he's he's one of the reasons why I'm making a turn to do create our own stuff mm. um, you heard it here first people so, so <laughs> um, I,
0: and I'm curious is this is this bitter root that you're talking about
1: this is Yes, one of those things. Definitely, <laughs> definitely one of those things. Um, I have another project as well that's coming out a lot sooner than oh. that, called One Thousand, and um, it's gonna it's gonna be digital uh, first, Sweet. or at least for a while. Yeah, and then it will go to print. I think sometime next year. But uh, <clears throat> I um, I have this deal with uh, Webtoons. I'm not sure if you are familiar with that company, but um, Webtoons uh, is—they're a a digital um, distributor, and um, they—they—they basically are an app for uh, mobile devices for comic reading, and it's it's formatted specifically for the mobile, uh, for all mobile devices. Interesting, and um, it works on iPads and. Things of that nature as well, but especially on your phone. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it will be in three to five years. It will be the standard for comic book reading. I truly believe that. Yeah, their format is very unique. Um, Well, it's not super unique, but it's definitely different from the conventional digital comics that's out there. Uh This format is specifically. Um, and bro- broken down into uh, panel to panel rather than you know you um,
0: look at the page,
1: looking at an entire page. Yeah, it's all broken down into individual panels. Um, and you scroll through each panel, similar to like a like a comic strip. Yeah, you know, yeah. three three to six panels per. You know, uh, story a per chapter or what have you yeah yeah and, um, so yeah I, I, i'm sorry
0: i uh, no, i'm just i'm curious has that changed your process like your illustration process for you know drawing for a, a panel you know an individual panel rather than drawing for a page i mean what's what's that done to your your process
1: um well it definitely has stretched my thinking and uh, my problem solving um, is definitely in a different place because it really is about the, the panel and capturing the same amount of information, but mm-hmm. the way that it's read is a little different because you, you have, honestly, the horizontal, I think it's Yes. The horizontal aspect of it
0: mm-hmm.
1: is all the same for the most part, but the vertical is Unlimited, to be honest with you. I mean, you can do one single panel that goes for days (laughs) if you want. (laughs) Um, Or you can do, you know, or you can do the traditional, you know, panels where it's, you know, pretty standard um, size. But uh, I I just think that's, I think it's fascinating. At first I was a little, uh, I guess because I I, I didn't really think about it that way. Uh Uh-huh. It was a little challenging to wrap my mind around and to get behind, but once I saw other comics on their app, and then I started to break down my story, it really got me pretty excited. So, and again, this is this is a it's a different avenue, um, yeah, and a whole new audience. To be honest with you, I mean, the viewership. For the average comic on their on their app, is somewhere around three three million. Holy shit! Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is you know, and when I say average, I mean this is some of their higher tier ones. So yeah, they have they have others <clears throat> that are there, but um, that,
0: I mean, if if there were a single comic, if there were any comic in the you know typical conventional American comics industry that was being read by three million people, that would yeah. be like th- i mean that's that's equivalent to like the entire line of dc comics for readership right. for a
1: month oh yeah oh yeah. yeah it's funny you didn't mention the esteem competition you know they they need another 20 titles to reach that amount i guess <laughs> that <kind of> <laughs> but you know it's it's um it's one of those things where it it again it's it's worldwide so that makes it yeah that much more you know, viable. And I was at a a convention this past weekend at Heroes Con here. That's a local show for for me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was fascinating because I felt like I couldn't really express that project in that setting. Mm -hmm. I did, but initially it didn't feel comfortable because it's such a traditional conventions are very traditional overall.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: It's all about, you know, the hard copy, you know, getting your book signed by the creators, so on and so forth, mm-hmm. which is totally awesome and, and and great. But there are a lot of okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go down this rabbit Dude, hole. Please
2: through. do. I am I'm fascinated right now. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't <laughs> even think of any questions. I'm just like, well, just tell me more.
1: Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> there are a ton of, uh, excuse me, there's a ton of fans that come to these conventions. Okay. I, I was just at one recently, not Heroes Con, but another show. And um, that one will will uh, remain nameless. <laughs> and I was very disappointed. I was very disappointed in the show. It had about 50,000 people there. And I may have signed 10 books. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe a little more. I don't know, but, there were people, and there were people that came to my table, yeah. but they were in cosplay, or they were just casual, you know, Walker buyers. Yeah. And um, it just dawned on me is that, okay, they came to a comic book convention and had no clue of who Luke Cage was, <laughs> oh, shit. or Iron Fist. Or they might have heard of them and definitely did not buy the comics. Oh. So either they may have bought a book from me, maybe, yeah. or they just said, oh, cool, and they walked away. Yeah. But they came to a comic book convention. Yeah. So why, not mind you, they, they they may be fans of Deadpool or Harley Quinn, which more than likely that's, that could be the case, but... Uh-huh. At the same time, the average comic reader, they would know who Luke Cage or Iron Fist, they would know of these characters.
0: Oh, of course, yeah.
1: These people didn't know of the characters. So it it just kind of fascinated me that that many people were there and it just made me think, what are they here for? Mm-hmm. What, what else are they interested in? Not, not like, well, why didn't they, why didn't they buy a book for me? You shouldn't even be here if you're not buying a book from, you know, <laughs> I, wasn't thinking that. I was thinking more of, that's just fascinating that that many people were here. Mm-hmm. And honestly, to, to be honest with you, that was the same experience for many of the artists alley. And yeah. there were really significant names at this convention. Where were these people spending their time and their money? Yeah. You know, that was interesting to me. I mean, and a lot of it was over in the autograph the autograph area oh, where yeah. you had these multimedia people. You had people that from The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. you know, Joe from episode eight. You know, <laughs> but, you know it's, like, it's weird, you know, but he, this guy, Joe, had a lie. Yep. Simply it's- because he said oh i i was on walking dead for you know 30 seconds yeah you know
2: yeah so. you're 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 talking about exactly what we've, we've 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 gone through we have our local convention here in salt lake city mm-hmm. and it's the same thing you go and it's just they've shoved the artists in this little back corner mm-hmm. they, they deprioritize it
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh and it's all it's all cosplay and movie stars and it doesn't it just doesn't there's no it doesn't feel comic book conventiony at all right uh and it's you have to you have to wade through all
0: the funko pops
2: to get to the comic book creators yes (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's 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 unreal i went i went i went a couple years back they advertised bernie wrightson uh which was super exciting Uh, i I think i've told the story in this uh, on the show before but it's just it irks me it irks me so bad that Bernie Wrightson, the legendary Bernie Wrightson. Here he is at Comic Con. I'm super stoked. Can't find him. Nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows where to find him. Hmm. I mean, it's 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 it's. I mean, I was gonna say it refreshing, but it's super unfortunate to hear uh, you as an artist experiencing the same thing. That I, I think you know, there's a there's a core of people that go to these that are that are no longer going just because it's, it doesn't. It's not there. That that sort of, I don't know.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of
1: conventions Activity. that just don't
0: put the focus there on the on the comic yeah. creators,
1: right? You know, and that that's why I love Heroes Con because that's unlike any show, with the exception of I, I love Emerald City. Mm-hmm. I think that was a great show. Was um, a show. There's a few other shows, even New York Comic Con. I think read Pop they they handle the multimedia um aspect of the whole comic you know convention experience they handle it pretty good they, they 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 give a nice um presentation for creators and yet they can still have the multimedia stuff you know out there and but the, the creators are front and center um the comic creators are front and center which is great yeah that's um,
0: fantastic to hear
1: I'm a little nervous about this year in New York though. I don't know what's going to, oh. we'll see, we'll see what, what, where we're at, you know, with the whole, it's not really their fault. Well, it, maybe it is, I don't know. I mean, with the, the whole Javits Center having to yeah. size up or, or something like that yeah. just to, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's the and that's the thing though. It's like the average comic um, conventions, you know, now I mean, like I heard great things about Utah in terms of attendance. Yes, yeah. I, you know, it's like there are shows now popping up, whether it's Utah or I mean, I'm thinking yeah. of some off offshoot places, and they're all like in the fifty thousands or more. Yeah, like this thing,
0: you know. Utah, like so, last year, Salt Lake had the third highest attendance of any comic convention out, like literally really? outside of New York and San Diego. They were the third highest in attendance. Oh uh, my! it's crazy. Why? Yeah. And, and wh- what I will say is that like, they, while they don't put the focus on the comic book stuff, uh, the, the one sort of silver lining that I've noticed, you know, because I'll, I'll go there and like do panels and stuff like that every once in a while. But like the, 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 the thing that like kind of makes it all worth it a little bit is that I do notice a lot of people going to the artist alley and, And buying comic books and and getting things signed when they do have comic book professionals there because they're not great at inviting people uh but they i have noticed a lot of non-comics readers go to that convention and pick up comics for the first time uh and so that part's great
2: but it's uh, yeah and then you have poor neil adams by himself with nobody talking to him yeah
0: It's crazy. And he's just selling the shit out of everything.
1: That's true. He walked by. If you ever want yeah, Neil, Neil, Neil <laughs> he's doing all right. So
2: <laughs>
1: he, he yeah. can afford to, uh, you know, have only a handful of folks, you know, show up every once in a while.
0: Yeah, he's he's doing well enough to have, you know, like seven uh, paid, you know, employees at his booth or whatever. So right. yeah, he's, he's all right. Um, so I'm curious, you mentioned it's called 1000, right? Your, uh, Webtoons yeah. project. Yeah. So tell us a bit about 1000. I mean, it, you know, it's, I'm, I'm fascinated by the medium, but, uh, we haven't talked much about the, the story itself. I mean, when's it coming out and sort of what's the concept behind it?
1: Um, overall it's, it's basically, let's see, it's imagine all of your, um, of our, um, the things that made up our childhood, the folklore, the, the, the cultures, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of these cultures and, and, and folklore were things that were, you know, told through generations. Okay? Yeah. Um, my grandma used to call them all wise tales. <laughs> and, um, but imagine if those things existed, like our cultures, based on our demographics, mm-hmm. those things existed in those, in in those in those different, different demographics. Like I'm from the South, mm-hmm. I grew up listening or, or, or hearing stories about, you know, witchcraft and and you know things of that nature. Okay. but what if there was that was a strong? Uh, it had, what if that had a strong presence? in the south okay. there were people that could do it there were people that were different levels of of abilities to do that stuff just just the same as you know somewhere out even in a different country like somewhere in london where yeah. you know a lot of the old wise tales or or the folklore mm-hmm. was based on whatever their mythologies were yeah or, yeah um, Asia, you know, dragons are very majestic and, and very much a part of their uh, mythos. What uh-huh. if those things existed there? You know, okay, yeah, hell yeah. And these, but these things are. <clears throat> it, it came a point in time, and this is where kind it falls into the zeitgeist of this time. <clears throat> these things are starting to cross pollinate. They were all sectioned off, and it, and everything was at at a at a peaceful stage but things started to cross pollinate because they felt like well we've been here for so long we deserve to be greater or mm. not more well, more more established or yeah and it begins to become this territorial cultural um uh. I guess uh force um and 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 um what what's the word i'm trying to say it it becomes this thing where everyone wants to have position
2: yeah everyone
1: all these cultures want to become and then it becomes chaotic okay i
0: I, I see i see what you're uh what you're kind of pulling from here i I get it yeah Yeah.
1: so but the 1000 part of it is um Dragons are basically the kind of order. They're they're the head of all things. They allow things to happen. Certain things they make happen. And um, the main character, who um, is an actual dragon himself, he doesn't see the harm in things coming together. Even though it's a little chaotic, even though it's a little uneasy it's it needs to happen in order to understand where to where where we're going or where this world is going yeah yeah and um but his his superiors his um his um those who are you know leading him Mm -hmm. they don't see that that way um he then basically um, tries to show them that there's good in all of this, but <clears throat> some, something else causes his efforts to totally, to totally derail and it causes even more chaos. Like like catas- catastrophic chaos.
0: Like apocalyptic so- level, just like end of times, crazy.
1: Right. End of time crazy. And um, long story short, the Elder Dragons, they basically see this, you know, the main protagonist of the story, they see him as uh, he committed treason for them, to them. Mm. Um, As punishment, then he is turned into a human, which they consider to be the lowest form out of all of these different, you know, um, (laughs) cast of creatures. Humans are kind of like at the bottom (laughs) bottom. (laughs) so he they they basically cast him as a human um and he basically has to have uh has to commit a thousand acts of penance to return back to his true form um the true the true kick is he um we don't know if he's gonna ever get there Okay. okay okay um even though that sounds like that might be the spoiler that's not really a spoiler you know you have to tune in to see if, if he does it or if he doesn't do it or if he finds a totally different way or t- totally different understanding of all of this stuff you know because yeah. This, yeah. this 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 thing will ultimately ultimately lead to something that everyone will be impacted um good or bad um, when it's all said and done so it's a little heady but um you know i kind of coined it as um a cold war version of final fantasy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or something in that realm, I guess. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of, um, it's something that I've had, um, for at least 20 years and, it, and I've been redeveloping this thing and, you know, playing around with it, uh, over and over for the last 20 years. So, um, we finally got this opportunity to do something, um, great um here and the other part of it is uh this main protagonist he will um be aided by six other characters who have something that they need to deal with themselves um and they know that okay they hear what he's it's kind of um a little allegorical as well Mm -hmm. you know where they are hearing what he's saying and if he's truly who he says he is, this majestic dragon, and he's true, and he's truly promising them, you know, everything that you're trying to deal with in your own personal, your own personal demons and your life situations, aid me, help me on this, for lack of better words, you know, quest, and um, you'll you'll come to your own enlightenment of all this, the meaning of all this yourselves. So. Um, It's again. It's a little, like I said, it's a little heady. But um, it's something that I think um, it falls in. It's not traditional comic book story. This thing has a lot of Asian influence in it, um, Hmm. especially from from the manga aspect. And um, but uh, I think it's it's something that again, it's not going to appeal to the hardcore traditional comic book reader yeah this thing is going to appeal to a more you know hopefully a broader audience so
0: that's cool so you're basically it sounds like you're kind of trying to go for uh you know the the yeah like broader uh international and maybe even like some of the manga uh type of audience on on this digital platform yeah that's cool and and you're writing it yourself too
1: um i have a writer uh chuck brown he's uh, um at marvel um and he is uh he's he's an up-and-coming um writer and you i guess uh, you i'm were,
0: sorry i was just gonna say you worked with him uh, once before on like a, a one or like a one-shot issue right
1: yeah we did um, this book over at dark horse called rotten apple yeah. and uh, that was pretty it was i guess it was one of those things where we had an opportunity to go farther into the story we had an opportunity to turn it into a miniseries, but uh, Power Man and Iron Fist came calling, and uh, uh, that was that was that. At least for for now, anyway. Of course, we have plans to do another one shot, just not sure when at the moment.
0: Okay, cool. That's, yeah, uh... that's
1: where we, yeah, that was our first our first opportunities working together, and then shortly after that. Uh, I think he got some work over at a few other publishers, and he's doing some work at Marvel now, um, as well. So cool. uh, he's he's up and coming.
0: Cool, and uh, he
1: he's working on right now. So,
0: <laughs> um, and so so when is uh, when is one thousand coming out?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Right now, we're looking at um, early fall. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's the tentative date. I should have uh, more solid answers for that, uh, I guess, in the next week or so.
0: Okay, cool. And that, I mean, that'll be that'll be a sign for the listeners to to go and follow uh, at Samford Green on uh, Twitter and and Instagram because I'm sure you'll be tweeting that out as soon as uh, as soon as yeah. you've got the word.
1: Right, and it's it's funny enough. Uh, we we made the announcement about the actual project. Um, Webtoons made the announcement. It came from out of nowhere. I didn't. I didn't know they were going to make the announcement. It's like two weeks ago or three weeks ago or something like that. Oh wow! And it it hit really big on social media. I, I posted it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and people went went nuts over it. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that kind of it helped me to to understand that you know this this is something that's going to do well in the platform that we're going for i don't know if it would do as well at least not immediately in a traditional platform but this digital platform i think it it has more uh, opportunities
0: yeah and i mean i'm sure like just kind of you know looking around at what's uh what's on their site right now i'm sure that your style would uh would be you know, super well received there. And also just, I mean, like it's, you know, they've got a lot of uh, traditional kind of like Eastern style uh, Mm -hmm. illustrations. And so I think it's, it would be, it probably will be a huge thing on their platform just because it's like, you're sort of introducing this, uh, this new element of like, oh, you can see, you know, the familiar things to people who read manga or watch anime or whatever. But then there's also a lot of this, you know, Western United States type of influence in it. And so, just, like, just judging off of what they've got right now and, and everything, I think that uh, that you're right. I mean, it, it'll probably get a lot of love as soon as it's out.
1: Well, I mean, to be honest with you, um, the stuff that you're seeing on the site now, uh, the projects that they have lined up coming, it's going to be pretty, pretty impressive stuff. Um, I know of three projects that are on deck right now. Can't mention any of them. One, I can say this one involves a really, 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 really big name person that doesn't even write comics. So, oh, wow. Why even (laughs) draws comics? So, um, that's pretty awesome. Um, And then there's a lot of uh, well known uh, comic creators that will be coming on their platform uh soon as well some names that i saw earlier that i was like okay i think i made a good decision here
0: (laughs) (laughs) it it almost it almost feels like yeah you might you're like one of those guys who in a few years you'll feel similar to uh how some of those people felt when facebook first went public you know or when apple first went public just like yeah "Yeah, i was there right at the beginning you know because then uh, you know when people start noticing all this stuff like you'll probably already have your stuff you know going on there and and uh Bring in, you know, just bring in a whole new audience. That's really exciting.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited because this has been 20 years in the making. Um, Is something that I wanted to do. Had opportunities about five six years ago. Um, Actually, actually longer than that. I mean, this thing has been this thing has been everywhere. Um, It's had opportunities at Image. It's had opportunities at MTV. Uh, it's been all over the place, and uh, now I, I feel like uh, this is the right time um, to do it.
0: Awesome, yeah, no, that's that's super exciting to hear, and I'm glad I'm glad to see. You know, it's kind of like when when any comic book creator uh, you know gets kind of like a big book that that gets their name out there a lot in the mainstream thing. It's always really exciting to see them, uh, you know, start to do more of those sort of creator owned projects and the things that uh, you know that that tend to be the bigger passion projects. Um. And it's, you know, it's like that Mike Mignola thing we were talking about. Uh, but, exactly. Yeah. And and this, so I'm curious too, because uh, we mentioned uh, Bitter Root earlier, which seems like that might be something that you're working on with David Walker. Um, mm-hmm. And we, you know, we can talk about that in a bit, but uh, you worked with David Walker, obviously on Power Man and Iron Fist. How did that collaboration come about?
1: Yeah, that little old thing. Um, <laughs> that was, a, that was awesome. It was a great experience. Uh, we we gelled. I, I've known David at least three four years prior, uh, and he always, you know, struck me as a pretty uh, intelligent guy who really knew how to go about uh, doing his stories and telling stories. Mm-hmm. So I, when I heard his name was being mentioned in in line with a few others, I I was like, man, you guys. Gotta pick David. Uh, we've been <laughs> working. Honestly, we did Shaft. I, I did some covers oh, for okay. a mini series that he did over yeah. at Dynamite. Uh, Shaft mini series. That was
0: a good series. I liked that one a lot.
1: Yeah, that was that was that was awesome. Uh, a great experience working on the covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't do any story, actual story, but um, working on the covers, we had a chance to talk. A bit and it sounded like he had some great ideas and i was hoping that at some point we could work together and man we we definitely got that opportunity on i i consider my dream project actually at least for you know um the big two
0: yeah absolutely i mean that that book what i liked about that book is first of all it it came in an era when A lot of these series, especially at Marvel, don't really get much of a chance. I mean, you know, for the last couple of years, they kind of, you know, they go six issues and then they're done. Or, you know, obviously, in the recent case of uh, The Crew, it's like three issues and they're canceled. Um, But
1: uh, (laughs) Give me started on that one, please. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) I like that. Yeah, I've been ranting about this stuff on the show for like the past four weeks. It's so infuriating. Um, Yeah. But uh, but you know, so during this era where these series are so so short lived, they don't even make it to trade before they're canceled. Uh, you know, Power Man and Iron Fist was able to make it, which like, if you were to hear this 15 years ago, you'd be like, oh well, that's that's like a short run. But you know, to be able to make it, what you guys made it 16 issues, I
1: think. It was fifteen. Fifteen. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, you know, in the grand scheme, at first, yeah, it was. You know, I'm not gonna lie, it was. It was a bit of a downer to hear that um, we couldn't exceed that. Yeah. Part of it was, okay, another bit of a rabbit hole. Please but do. Part of it was, you know, the the Netflix influence with Luke Cage and Iron Fist. And,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, a lot of people really didn't. And this goes back to that whole casual reader or non-reader. Everyone, you know, that saw Luke Cage or knows about the Netflix show, you know, tremendous opening weekend. It broke the Internet. OK. Yeah. yeah. Um, should be a easy knock out of the park for us in terms of getting, I don't know, 10 percent of those reader of those viewers to jump over to read the comic. But totally they did not know Luke Cage and Power Man were the same character. Mm. Okay. So we kind of we kind of we just missed the mark on that. Not necessarily anything on our part creatively, just from the administrative aspect of it was a little convoluted. Yeah. Um and then they decided, hey, it's just it would just be easier just to have them in their own book because they're they got their own series, their own yeah. TV. Series. So they they look at the the easier, more you know, marketable, or at least something that's just easier to just kind of market. It 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 didn't take it, sh- it wouldn't have taken that much effort to market um, Power Man Iron Fist along with Luke Cage or Iron Fist, but um, they just felt like it's just, it kind of speaks for itself. If you got a book that says Luke Cage and a book that says Iron Fist, you know what I mean? You know yep, what I mean? Of course. You know, um, that being said, I mean, we totally enjoyed it. We've got, we, I still get a lot of love for that series. Um, again, just this past weekend being at, uh, heroes con, I mean, had a nice line of people, um, uh, wanting to get their book signed. Um, and they all bought individual copies. That's the thing that was so cool. Wow. I signed a lot of copies of individual um, issues. Yeah. That, was, that was encouraging. So I know that the fans are out there. And I think when it's all said and done, this book, rather than, in, in a weird kind of way, rather than running this book a little longer and it really kind of fizzled out, it mm-hmm. it went out with people, you know, really going nuts over the fact that it ended yeah so (laughs) they they wanted so it left it left people wanting more so that was that was cool so we can always say that we went out on a high note
0: there you go and it's i mean i'm sure like just with how good that series was and how well received it was i'm sure at some point they'll be you know collecting it in like an omnibus you know power man and iron fist collection or whatever and, and kind of reselling it after that um
1: they better do that. That's all I have to say. Seriously,
0: I, I'm with you there, man. Like, it's, it was, I don't know, it was such a refreshing and, like, back to basics take, but then also just, like, like back to basics in terms of, like, really bringing back what's at the heart of both of those characters, uh, but also just taking it in such a, an exciting and relevant and, like, you know, I guess just modern direction. Uh mm-hmm. Talk to me a bit about your approach to that book. You know, I mean, first was it uh, you or David who was on the book first, or did you guys kind of go in together?
1: Um, we kind of came in together. Honestly, I, I maybe a week apart. I, I got the, the the job, and then he was on board the following week. So oh. we we kind of jumped in together,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. um I guess the 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 process my process with it was just one I think that's what you were asking me yeah yeah yeah
0: absolutely just yeah like you know where where you were sort of coming from what was inspiring you and how you kind of approached uh, doing that
1: right so my process honestly was and I um I initially believe it or not I watched and again this goes back to my a mindset even as a child how I didn't look at comics strictly. Um, I, I was influenced from animation, and I brought that into my comics. Yeah. So I started to watch. Um, believe it or not, I watched um, Cowboy Bebop. I watched the whole series, and it it was some elements in there that really made me think that I could pull some of that off in in the series, like some of the some of the. Secondary characters. A lot of times, um, if you're if you're familiar with the series, uh, the Cowboy Bebop series, they had a lot of gangsters and uh, kind of street level stuff happening in in the series that I thought really could play well mm-hmm. in what we were doing. And again, that's part of the reason why the book or even my art style is unique compared to. Some of the other artistic um, directions that you might have seen, yeah, you know, through Marvel or DC or whatever, totally. Is I, I, I like to create the characters and create uh, what animators call it um, interesting silhouettes. Like if you were to take each character and black them out, just create a shadow mm-hmm. of them, you could tell Luke Cage is very distinct from Iron Fist. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Still wet.
0: Yeah, that's that's funny that you say that. Like, just like it's something that never occurred to me. But as I'm thinking about it now, like pretty much every character, really in that book, it's like you would silhouette them and you'd know instantly who it was.
1: Exactly. So, and I'm a I'm a huge fan of that. And I think comics in general, traditional comics, and this is kind of the whole issue with where I think creatively, especially with the mainstream companies creatively, it can be a bit of a challenge for a lot of artists, uh, a lot of creators who believe in that same approach. Yeah. We, we, we tend to push and exaggerate um, characters, uh, expressions, uh, you know, action, all those things we, 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 we love to, you know, take to a certain place, exaggerate it, if you will, and that to some degree is not necessarily looked looked on looked upon with favor. So it it's it's a it's a it's a balancing act. You know, um, I was told several times to pull back on how ex- exaggerated I would go with certain things. Ah,
0: screw that, man! Exa- I love the exaggeration.
1: <laughs> you know, but um, I well, if if that's the case, I think you'll totally love. What what we got coming up. uh, (laughs) So I'm going to, that's the one great thing about Creator Own. You do what you want. It's off limits. This is why I think Mike Mignola was so ahead of his time. Yes. You know, but, you know, that being said, all that, I still enjoyed the book. Um, Yeah. If I could, I'm, I'm sorry, if I could have done anything differently, the one thing I would have done probably would i would have put a little more um like what's the word i would have put a little more effects what mm. i mean is like um i'm getting into this gouache stuff now i'm doing a lot of splatter effects i'm i'm just and it's not stuff that's that would have taken a you know taken away from the art or yeah. would have made it too busy or anything like that it it, it it would have been because I, I well, I'm doing something or I just did something with actual, actually with Chuck Brown, uh, a Harriet Tubman story that was, um, made for, um, this Kickstarter book called Femme Magnifique. Uh-huh. And, um, all female. Well, it's not all female because me and Chuck are in it, but, um, <laughs> most of the, uh, creators, um, uh, in the book, all female, either a writer or an artist. Yeah. For the most part. Uh, And, um, they pair, uh, they pair the creative teams up with, or they ask the creative teams, what female figure would you like to, um, portray, uh, create, uh, and, and give a reason why you chose that female figure. We chose Harriet Tubman, And, um, man, I got to tell you that, that, that the, what I did on that story, the first thing I thought of was, man, I wish I had time to do this on Power Man. (laughs) You know, but, uh, it, you know, Hey, that's part of growing. Yeah. You, you do things, you know, six months from now, I'll, I'll be saying the same thing, man, I wish I had more, I could have put this in into what I'm doing now. So that's just a part of growing so but that's the only thing I, I i think about is you know putting more more of that stuff in in my stories in my art. yeah with, uh, I mean, so so then are but you I still a great Time with it though i mean it was still awesome so. yeah
0: no it's still fantastic i, I thought that you, you knocked it out of the park man uh so are you a digital artist then i mean sound you know you're talking about like effects and different things like that do you work full digital
1: um, no, um, and when I say effects, this is all traditional, man. This Holy is shit, doing gouache. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to get really artsy fartsy right now, man. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm using uh techniques with um with the toothbrush. I don't know if you guys have ever seen, I don't know if you guys are artists, but um, you take um gouache or or ink even and you you dip a toothbrush. Oh, and you then know, do you like
0: the splatter or...
1: Yeah, to create that splatter effect. I'm doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, I feel a lot more confident in doing that stuff now. And um, whereas before, I was very hesitant. And a lot of it was because of artistic direction. You know, again, you're working on mainstream books. Yeah. There's a lot more direction to keep things less... Um, mm-hmm. You know, less experimentative. So yeah, totally. Cool. Yeah, I
0: I, I love hearing about, it. and I know that we do have a lot of uh, artist listeners, and so I'm sure they're they're loving uh, hearing a that you are a traditional artist because I feel like with like somebody with your style, uh, you know, with with a more like exaggerated, expressive style, oftentimes you find that for whatever reason it is that they're uh, working on digital, and so uh, as mm-hmm. much as I always see that you know your your sketches on Instagram and stuff like. I for some reason it never clicked that uh, you were doing full traditional. So that's that's awesome.
1: The only thing I do digital for the most part is the color. Mm. Like you know, I, I'll do like it's funny. I'm actually here right now doing some design work, and it's all digital. Um, working on a project for uh, an animated thing well, okay. that I can't talk about. So
0: <laughs> the secret of Sanford Green strikes again. Pretty
1: much, yeah. But yeah, I'll do that kind of stuff like character design. Uh, those those things I'll do mostly digital. Cool. But, uh, the comic book work, I try to keep it traditional. I, I think I'm going to eventually go into tradi- uh I'm sorry, digital with mm. comic book work, but it will be on specific things such as. Uh, if I'm doing a lot of scenes that aren't necessarily um, full of action, yeah, I may go digital with that because I can kind of move through those pages. But if I got a nice splash page or double page spread or something mm-hmm. like that, I'll probably do that traditional just to kind of, get that feeling you know that that is there's a lot of life and energy and creating that kind of stuff
0: yeah and i mean it makes it it makes it great on the back end uh for you know for whenever uh, you decide to put those pages up or anything obviously those those action pages for you know traditional art and stuff they'll uh they'll end up doing well for you
1: Yep, that too
0: (laughs) um and so okay and and we're you know obviously like we're we're uh getting close to the last part where we'll start the lightning round here in a minute but uh you know first off thanks for for taking so much time with us um but uh i just wanted to, to bring it back a little bit talking you know about you were talking about your collaboration with uh david walker um is there is there anything you can tell us about Bitterroot? because i know you've you've teased it out a little bit just enough for me to be like what the hell is this <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what it is, but it seems like it's something that you two are doing uh, creator-owned at some point. You know, obviously, it sounds like it's after uh, 1000. Um, but what what can you tell us about it?
1: Um, well, actually, I can tell you that uh, Chuck Brown is also writing um, with us as well. So, Oh, cool. The three of us will uh, be creating this thing. Um, okay, so it's basically, it takes place during the Harlem Renaissance. Oh. That's all I can say.
0: That's, I mean, that's a hell of a tease, man. I I love it. That's, uh, you've, you've, you've got my
1: dollar. I can, I can say this part. It it also has steampunk elements in it. So, there you go. What?
0: That? (sighs) All right, man. I mean, I'm on board, but uh, you, you 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 tease and you tease, and I see it says 2018 on your little teaser image. So I'm like, shit, how long do I have to wait for this? Uh, <laughs> oh,
1: and it also involves a family business.
0: Hell yeah! Okay. No, I like yeah, that. Yeah. It, it, it like attaches some heart to it. You've got the environment, you've got the heart, and you've got like the the aesthetic. You got it all, yeah. man. What? That's a that's a good little tease. Um, right. All right, so uh, so we'll we'll move into our you know lightning round where we'll just ask you some you know basic simple questions. You can fire off whatever the hell goes into uh, goes into your head. Uh, stuff,
1: paper or plastic? That's the kind of stuff you guys. Exactly,
0: yeah. Paper or plastic? That's actually we ask that same question uh, like yeah, seven times my, in a row. That was,
1: that was my question.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, Rachel, do Apples you want to <laughs> do you want to start us off uh, in the lightning round, Rachel? Uh, sure, I'll start off. Uh, have you ever hidden any Easter eggs in your art for your own amusement?
1: Um, I have, but most of, most of the stuff is, okay, I'll tell this story. Please it do. Was, I don't know if it was an Easter egg, but it was more of uh, a, I was just doing it because of the actual assignment. I thought it would be cool to place this little bit of information in, in a certain area of the artwork. And the art director saw it and told me to take it out.
0: (laughs) Oh shit! (laughs) Do you know? Do you know what it was?
1: Yeah, I I mean, obviously you know, but uh... it it was because it's not in there. Um, So um, I did a cover for um, for um, Doom Patrol. Okay. Okay. And um, forgot the name of one of the characters. He has a lot of like buttons on his jean vest.
0: Okay? okay. Yeah.
1: And one of the buttons had um well actually two buttons. I did two buttons. One button had the um comedian, the smiley face with the blood.
0: Oh, okay.
1: He had a button. Um he had one of those buttons and he had a my chemical romance button on as oh. well. Yeah. And um you know, I was it was kind of like on top of a bunch of other buttons. So it was kind of hidden in a way, but it wasn't really, you know, you could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they told me to take them both out. And I was like, man. Aww. Aww. <laughs> that,
0: I mean, that's, that's perfect, <laughs> it it's perfect because it's like, you know, Gerard Way is writing it. And obviously. Right.
1: Uh... right. And, you know, and here's the funny part about it. And I guess, you know, this is I, I guess it can be common information. Yeah. That DC doesn't own that that logo, the comedian uh, smiley face pen. They don't own that. What? No, they don't own it.
0: I didn't realize Oberon that. Any
1: trade secrets, but yeah, that, they don't own that thing. <laughs> huh? There's some guy, some guy, and some some the guy that designed it originally owns that. I mean, I guess he was very forward thinking when he when he first did the Watchmen um, comics. Yeah they wow. had the yeah yeah so he he owns that like you can do you can do the smiley face you can do a pin with blood on it but you can't have them both Interesting. That's, yeah
0: yeah i'm looking i'm looking at that cover right now and it's funny because it, it looks like you just you took like the the watchman smiley face but then just made it like a like no blood and then put the tongue out
1: yeah yeah i made <laughs> you know something told that because it was like one, I was pressed for time on the cover, and two,
0: yeah.
1: I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with this because I was so you know you, you do something and get totally into it, and then it's gone. It, it's evaporated because somebody says no, and uh, it it was you know so yeah. I've had I've had that. I have a, I had a bunch of other things, but that that one was the most. I did have a a, a cover with. Power Man and Iron Fist that I put, um, I think, I can't remember what issue, what issue was it? I can't remember what issue it was, but um, it was the one, it was one of those Civil War things. No, Secret War. Oh, God, I don't know which one (laughs) it (laughs) is. One of those freaking war events. One of those wars, one of those wars, and it was Luke and Danny on top of a roof, and there was a shadowy figure, um, like a shadow casted on the ground. And they're standing, and behind them is like a a clothing line. Yeah, and um, I put a tribe called Quest, like their oh, hell yeah. on one of the shirts, and and I put something else up there, and um, so that that got through, you know. It was huh. obscure enough to where it wasn't, you know,
0: nobody noticed. Uh, right. That's that that's cool, and i mean, I imagine around that time period that was probably uh you know, I guess that was that like right around the time the new album came out and everything.
1: That is exactly why I did it, because I think... it around that time. So that's, a,
0: that's such that a good one. album.
1: Very, very awesome album. Um, it, it's one of those things that made me feel like, man, I'm glad I, I grew up with those guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can really appreciate it, but there, there's, there's people that, you know, never heard their, their older stuff and love that album. So,
0: yeah i mean i like i i didn't uh grow up with tribe called quest i mean they were already around when i was growing up but they didn't really like hit my radar until i was you know like in high school um and even then i didn't really listen to them that much until you know fairly recently um Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i mean it's they're they're a great group it's been awesome like being able to kind of go back and and listen to all their old stuff um
1: my top five of all time Yeah. Yeah. yeah me too
0: I'm actually, so, so Matt, I'll, I'll have you go next. Cause I figure usually Matt's questions, uh, involve music in some way. And so while we're on the subject of music, but
2: yeah, that was, yeah, that's where I was going with it. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So I, you know, I, I one thing I, you know, I, when I read, I have to put music on and I like sort of like trying to pair whatever music in whatever comics I'm reading to sort of kind of, you know, create the vibe. And, right. um, so, you know uh i don't know power man iron fist or or your new upcoming uh 1000 what would you what's your uh what's your playlist what's your soundtrack
1: man you know it was interesting because i have a i have a soundtrack but i don't listen to it really at all i have it in my head Is yeah. weird because <laughs> i'll listen to npr but you know, it's just talk radio or some podcast, yeah. or whatever. But um, when I'm looking at the pages, or, or actually when I'm I'm driving, or just kind of thinking, not yeah. really doing a whole lot, songs come in my head, and I'm thinking about images for the project for one thousand or bitter root or whatever.
2: Yeah,
1: and I'm thinking of you know certain tracks, and a lot of this stuff is instrumental stuff. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of um oh man. Right now I'm listening to this guy named Black Milk who oh, would... so good. Okay, you know that guy. Oh yeah, yeah
2: yeah yeah. That's I I, I popped that in the, about a year ago. I found it for I found it and I was like I had no idea and that's yeah, so yeah. good.
1: He, he's he's a um he's a Jay Dilla disciple. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of dudes that are coming finally coming up out of you know the creative womb of Dilla right now. I mean, after so many years, uh, he's won. This guy named K. Trinada. yeah, out of Toronto, I think. That guy is so forward-thinking in his in his music. Man, he's pretty awesome. Um, let's see, let's see. Uh, of of course, I I gotta have my traditional guys. Of course, like today, even listening to Mob Deep was like. You know, very therapeutic for me. Yeah. You know, Mob Deep, Tribe, De La, Game star. You know, um, I go a little bit further back into like groups like EPMD. Like a lot of that stuff, I listened to. I listened to a lot of that stuff when I was drawing Power Man Iron Fist, a lot of the old school stuff, because uh-huh. they, like Power Man Iron Fist has felt like an old school, because they are old school but I wanted to kind of get that old school feel, even though it was current. I wanted them to have that feel like, man, you know, there's some familiar things in, you know, that that's in the stories now that was done back then. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I kind of, I kind of go across the board. I was actually talking to, I think it was me, Scotty Young and Jim Mafood was talking about music at, heroes con it was crazy we are we were big hip-hop fans yeah yeah they're all they're all guys that um really like uh like like music like that that's cool i
0: i'm actually curious so my my next uh lightning round you know i guess sort of lightning round question is like talking about that community you know talking to other creators uh are there any comic book creators uh in particular like do you do you have like a sort of friend network of comic book creators that you're uh that you're closer pals with than most people in the, in the industry.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Is
0: there, do you have a best friend, a comics, best buddy,
1: (laughs) my comics, best buddy? Well, let's see, honestly, it's probably, probably David Walker. So, you know, he's going to get all pushy. If he ever hears this. (laughs) Hey,
0: I mean, he'll, he'll be on the show in a few weeks. So if, if you want to say anything to offend him right now is the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He, He always said, you know, like he met my wife. Like um, at the Luke Cage premiere, mm. and he was like, "Now, now, I feel like I'm I'm gonna get tossed to the side now because he thought he was, you know, the only one." I was like, "Dude, you knew I was married, man!" So <laughs> <laughs> you think I was lying. You thought I was lying about that. <laughs> hey, you,
0: you never know. know with comic book people; they could easily That's be lying.
1: True. That's true. true. I mean, we 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 hung out so much though that you know he thought he was the only one. So uh, <laughs> you know. I had to break it to him, man. But yeah, between him, and you know, like artists, um, yeah. You know, oh, speaking of the, you know, guys that I talk to a lot about art and music, uh, Mike Del Mundo. Mm. I don't know if you guys know his work. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, yeah, he's pretty big right now. I think he got nominated for an Eisner. We talk, we talk at least a couple of times a week. I mean, he's such a phenomenal creative genius and, um, you know between him i talked to him you know we hang out a lot with good good buddies um and um ben caldwell he's another one that um oh, yeah. i hang out with talk to a lot he's he's another genius that needs to be on a regular series but you know oh, what's yeah. a regular these days you know it's like <laughs> yeah i don't eight issues is a regular series these days yeah. but uh
0: you he's know. another one of those guys. It's like anytime I see his name, I'm like, holy shit! I love Ben Caldwell. Like it's great. You know, when he was on Prez, uh, it was the first time I had like seen him on a big thing in a in a long time, and I was like, hell yeah, this is awesome. Uh, right.
1: Yeah. Right. But yeah, you know him, uh, Jason Latour. He's 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 another one that you know we we go a little differently. We we're, we're all about sports. Um, <laughs> me and him, we we go we go at each other pretty hard. Me, him, Jason Aaron. We go pretty Those hard. Bastards. Yeah, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Literally, that's what they are, man. Yeah. I mean, that's why. Honestly, that's why they made that book because that book is all about that whole. I mean, we we all grew up in the south. Yeah. And the football culture. Um, I never played football, but I was very close to playing. Yeah. It was weird. It was a weird time back then because I. This might sound a little geeky, but it wasn't. Trust me, <laughs> I was on the band. And the culture, at least, you know, like, I went to a predominantly black school yeah, um, in the South, and that is a very, very big deal, playing on those bands, because of the music and the show, the showmanship and all that stuff, just watch the movie drum line it'll make sense
0: to you yeah that you know I mean? it's that's so funny because i when i was in junior high i was on i was actually on the drum line uh and like right it was like a couple months before that movie came out and so i think oh, okay. that when it came out on dvd i probably watched the movie drum line like 50 times i like <laughs> and, like going back now it's like it's, it's not a
1: great movie not. Uh,
0: it's but not but i <laughs> at the time it would get me so pumped to just like like just kill it on the snare for a while.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, and that—that's the thing. It's—it's it's that kind of fraternity hybrid. It has the same, like, I guess, the same kind of focus.
0: Yeah, it's
1: very intense. It's all about you know um, inclusion, being a part of something elite or special or whatever you want to call it, and um, and belonging and the stuff that you would go through just to be a part of it. You know well, of course, um, so you know, long story short, I mean that kind of stuff is the, the types of things that um you know I talk to these guys uh, often about um
0: yeah, you know,
1: so i I know
0: they I keep play. it's like I'm saying it's a lightning round, but then I keep asking questions that are just like <laughs> you know they require longer answers
1: well that's that's what that's what happens sometimes it lightning, the lightning happens a lot, so <laughs> yeah, sometimes you, uh,
2: oh, go ahead, do you still play?
1: You're an old the uh, Oh, liner. No man, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, to me. I, I haven't touched. Uh, and I played the trombone actually, so I never. Oh, really... Okay. Yeah, I played the trombone. Um, that was a really, um, it was an awesome instrument because, um, I had a um, a silver trombone. Uh-huh. Everyone else had like gold. I had a silver one. So I was just, I was hot stuff back then. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> You're like, yeah, all these yeah. people, all these people are rookies with their silver ass trombones, but mine's a, <laughs> yeah,
1: mine's a legit yeah, they, one. They, they, they have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I played with a
2: cat. Uh, he, is a, he is a drummer and uh, he, is, he is from the South drum line. Oh, cool. He, hands down, one of the best drummers I've ever played, listened to.
1: I mean, just incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, you know, they're they're these these guys that play, you know, um, in these bands, especially these um, what we call the um, these high stepping bands. You have the mm-hmm. there's is two different styles, yeah, there's yeah, the core style, and they got that that's the traditional style. And then high step is that showboat showmanship.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he and he he he'd, he'd play a full kit like a standard kit. We were doing kind of live hip hop stuff, and he would do that kind of he'd have all the like the tricks with the sticks and everything
1: oh yeah oh yeah it was
2: impressive man
1: yeah yeah, that stuff is it's a way of life down here man it's like
0: yeah so that's that's the two things that you never want to uh try and go up against someone from the south in is football and apparently uh marching band like
1: (laughs) just you're gonna get embarrassed
0: (laughs) it's just what happens
1: take take note take note of that for sure you can't (laughs) can't come down here thinking oh man i want to you know?
0: Yeah, I, I remember in high school, like we had a pretty good football team in high school, but uh, we had some team from I think it was like Georgia, some high school team from Georgia come up and, and play for like an away game. And we got our asses kicked completely. Like we were I think we were like number one in the state at the time, like, you know, feeling good about ourselves. And then just they showed up and it was just it was just terrible. We We realized how much different the skill level is in certain areas of the country. <laughs>
1: Well, like, man, that's what that's what we like to do, man. We like to go to the opponent's home turf and silence the crowd.
0: man. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, we'll do we'll do one more quick uh, quick round of lightning questions, and then we will let you get on with your night. You're on the East Coast, so you are you are staying up uh, uh, pretty late for us. So we greatly appreciate that. Um, what's good. Uh, who's who's your favorite comic book artist of all time?
1: Oh man. Um, Michael Golden.
0: Michael Golden—that is a name. That's a name I haven't heard in years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: my God. Nerd.
0: I'm sorry. I had to. That's uh, that's a good pick, man. I I yeah, yeah. I I was not expecting that to come out. That's good.
1: What What were you thinking I would say?
0: I figured you'd be like you know Jack Kirby or you know Alex Toth, someone that yeah. you mentioned before. But uh, Michael Golden—that's awesome. I love it.
1: Yeah, I mean because. You know, kind of going back, and I didn't share this part, but, you know, that was the first, well, honestly, John Byrne and, let's see, Art Adams, and shortly after that, believe it or not, Rob lifefield
0: Hell yeah. <laughs> when he first,
1: Rob Lightfield, the early, early years. Yeah. Right? X-Force that, and... Yeah, that dude, man, I ate it up everything he had, and then shortly after that, <clears throat> you know, the Jim Lees, and yeah. you know, because that was the era that I really started taking this thing seriously. Yeah. Like, oh man, when I get out of high school, I want to go draw comics like Rob Lightfield, You know.
0: Yeah, and they, I mean, they were so exciting at the time.
1: Yeah, I saw saw him on a Lee on a Levi commercial with Spike Lee. <laughs> the heat,
0: dude, I mean.
1: Oh my God! Yeah,
0: they were yeah, they were I mean, big time.
1: Yeah, I mean Spike Lee and and Rob Lightfield doing a Levi's commercial, and I'm like, okay, I am definitely doing comic books. <laughs> Seriously, I, I, when I saw that, that was it. I was, really? I was, you know, I was in a place where, you know, I, I still was oh, okay. I might do animation, I might do, but then I saw that commercial, and it was a wrap.
0: Like you mean if I do comic books i get to meet spike lee and wear levi jeans perfect
1: yeah all at once i
0: <laughs> <All at once.
2: laughs>
1: <laughs> love it Sign me
0: up for that. <laughs> uh rachel what you got
2: uh you mentioned cowboy Bebop. i'm also a huge fan of cowboy Bebop. bop so i'm
0: just wondering how you feel about the live action tv series yeah. that's in development
1: yeah mm. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm not on board. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. well, That's my same reaction, and I'm glad that you also feel the I
1: same. Mean, it's like, it's so frustrating because, alright, maybe someone would have gotten a hint from the backlash from Ghost in the Shell movie. Still haven't watched it yet. Did not hear great things about it. I didn't hear bad things, but I did not hear great things about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, there's someone somewhere, some suit is sitting up there that watched Cowboy Bebop as a kid once and thought, you know what would be cool? <laughs> you know, it's like, they, yeah.
2: it's
1: like they're, not, they're not true fans. They just see something that was cool to them and figure you know what we can make it cool for people today and you know that that's like there's certain things that just shouldn't be touched Yeah. yes Def- definitely one of them i don't want to see another akira i don't want i just no. got a weird feeling that yeah. someone's gonna try to relaunch akira i mean stuff like that yeah. this should not be touched, you know but
0: um yeah i was i was glad when jordan peele said that uh because they were approaching him to direct a live action adaptation of, of akira and i love jordan peele i mean he's like you know, Get Out was a, a revelation. I mean, Key and Peele was amazing. Right. Like, he's such a a creative, amazing guy. And so I was kind of bummed when I heard that he might be doing that because it was like, on the one Uh-oh. hand, a really great guy is you know developing it, but then on the other hand, it's like, well, he's I feel like he's got better things to do than that. Uh, right. And so I was glad when he passed on it. And he was like, yeah, like that's just not yeah. that's not what I want to do.
1: And I think too, I mean, and I may be wrong, but I think both of those guys are are fans. You know. If you look at their yeah. comedy, you can tell that they're they're fans. I mean, they they their comedy is based on their experiences growing up. Well, totally. They were picked on. They were nerds. They were you know all this whatever, mm-hmm. and they took that and embraced it and made it something that um, everyone can be entertained by. So I, I know that they appreciate that stuff.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and then, Matt, uh, you've got the, the last lightning round question. What you got?
2: Oh, my God. There's so much pressure on me. I can't handle it right now.
1: <laughs> Do it. Um, what's my favorite drink? No. <laughs> uh,
2: what's your favorite drink? I'm going to say <laughs> gin and tonic.
1: Very, very wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Shit. Uh, I failed the lightning round, guys. <laughs> uh, all right.
0: Shit. Well, uh, if uh, anyone out there is listening, we're looking for another co-host spot. Uh, we're trying to fill this position pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: shit. I don't know. Um, I uh, just kind of zoning out. Listening to stories. What's on your uh, What's on your poll list these days?
1: Okay. Um. Let's see seven to eternity Uh, yes god
0: damn it why every time a creator comes on the show and they talk about a comic (laughs) they love it's always a comic that matt is just like gushing over every week (laughs) you're you're playing you're playing to the crowd i see what you're doing here sanford
2: i'm back on i'm back on the team guys
0: (laughs) (laughs) you might have
1: taste that's all oh there we go Um,
2: there
1: we go let's see um avengers with um Mark Wade and Mike Del Mundo. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, hmm, Southern Bastards. Uh, let's oh, see. Um. Oh. Uh. Black Science.
0: Another. See,
2: guys, I'm telling you, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it feels like every. It's like every creator. There's always some Rick Remender book that Matt's just like in love with that. Uh, that they always mention, but it's it's okay. It might be a sign, sure. Maybe, maybe he's onto something. Whatever.
1: Maybe, maybe he is. I, I tell you what. I might need to get him to uh, to proofread um, Bitter Root when it comes out. If he likes that stuff, then you know. I think. He might dig uh, a bit of root all you guys hopefully yeah take
0: i mean i'm yeah. sure I'm sure that matt won't uh, won't say no to that and I don't think any of us would say no to that uh proof, proofreading yeah, please yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um all right well that's uh i mean I, that's that's pretty much it, and thank you again like you've we've you've been more than generous with your time here today uh for everybody listening, make sure that you follow at sanford green on uh on Instagram and Twitter, are you on any other uh, like social networks that you want people to follow you on?
1: Um, the Facebook, the I'm Facebooks, the, yeah, the Facebooks.
0: Check them out on and on they're... them Facebooks. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> sorry, I was I was. It felt like two, we were talking at the same time, and then I was like, "Oh shit!" Nice, <laughs> nice try. Um, and uh, I'll shut up. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, and then <laughs> what sh- what should people be looking out for timeline wise in terms of you know shows or releases or anything like that?
1: Um, well, I'll be making my annual, um, my annual presence over at San Diego Comic-Con, um, doing stuff, signing stuff, <laughs> saying stuff. I don't there know. There you go. Oh, yeah. Maybe.
0: Saying all sorts of stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, then, uh, let's see, that's the most, that's the next show. Um, and then, um, like I said, it's going be on the lookout for the 1,000 project through Webtoon, um, and we should be making some announcements about Bitterroot sometime, in a few months from now. So,
0: all right, I'll, and I'll, I'll see good. if I can sap any any more teases out of David when he comes on the show too. <laughs> I guess, and I'll have, to, I'll have to reach out to Chuck now to see if, like, between the three of you, if I might be able to piece it all together. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um I need, to, I need to get a hold of those guys right now <laughs> i'm gonna
0: have an i'm gonna have an email in my inbox from david walker saying sorry i can't make it i just so busy i just ah shoot
1: we can, we can discuss everything all, all things except bitter root so
0: <laughs> love it um all right well hey uh thanks again so much um any anything else that you wanted to, to tell the people before we uh we send this one off into the ether
1: um, thanks again for, um, all your support and, um, looking forward to the next, um, uh, installments of creative works that Hell we yeah. got coming up. So, um, stay tuned.
0: Yeah. And we'll, we'll be sure to have you back on uh, as soon as, uh, as soon as this stuff starts rolling out. So, um, thanks for listening and, and follow this guy on Twitter and Instagram. His process videos are, are incredible. If you're an artist, which I know tons of our listeners are, you'll, you'll love his Instagram account. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for joining us on the Savage Land. We will see you again next week.
2: Yeah, thanks.